All right, Mikey. All right, I'm gonna make those loot cakes. Bang, my turn. If if Mike isn't chicken feet, then he really helped Ed Mm. out by putting two chicken feet in that ten pointer. Mm. I just wanted to make it expensive. Finish move, Celeste move. (laughs) And also, Evan helped him out too because he also put two chicken feet in. Yeah, I was. Yeah, you know, I was figuring. So Evan and Mike basically handed the game. (laughs) What? A lot of assumptions here, Celeste. (laughs) Yeah. So either that or Evan handed it to Mike, or Mike and Ed handed it to Evan. One of those. Somebody handed it. Or maybe one of them handed it to themselves. (laughs) Chicken feet are gone now. So chicken feet are gone. That's what I'm saying. Whoever has chicken feet got set up by the other two dudes who said. Well, there's only four players, so maybe no one has chicken feet. Oh! Yep. And me. Mind and blown. Me. I also put chicken feet. Welcome to Which Game First, where we explore the hilariously huge world of board games. Did we find any hidden treasures you've been missing out on? Let's find out. First up this week, we're squirreling away the victory points before winter in Hoarders. Next up, we riffle shuffle some new human habitats in Terraforming Mars Ares Expedition. And lastly, we're stirring in troll eyes, spider legs, and a dash of dragon's blood for the win in Alchemist. I'm your host, Celeste Angelis, here with my decades-long gaming buddies, Mike Grenier, Ed Povolitis, Hey guys, let's game. And this week, special guests, the Birdman, a.k.a. Rob from Legends of Nirvana, Howdy. And Randy Wilson, a.k.a. Randrak, Legends of Nirvana. Hey there. Hey. So glad you could join us from your YouTube channel, guys, Legends of Nirvana. Thank you for the invite. Glad to be here. (laughs) All right. Our first game up this week is Hoarders, designed by Andy Niggles, published by Flatlined Games in 2018. Number of players, three to six, ages eight and up, playtime, 15 minutes. Okay, Mikey, tell us, what's in the box? On the cover of the box, we see a chubby groundhog, a puffy beaver, a chonky hamster, a husky squirrel, and a thick raccoon, all ready to pounce on a juicy acorn. Inside the box, you'll find 55 nut cards, 30 critter cards, and a crown token. And that's what's in the box. Well, before we tell you if this is worth adding to your game hoard, let me ferret us out some rules. Be the king of the forest. Winter is coming and the forest creatures are busy gathering nuts and hoarding food in preparation for the cold season. Your goal is to be the first to hoard five nuts of the same kind before anyone else. Each player has a set of five animal cards, a squirrel, who takes a card from the draw pile, a raccoon who steals a seed card from another player, a hamster who blocks stealing, a groundhog who repeats the last card played, and a beaver. Ed, what the heck does the beaver do? The beaver will give you three cards if he's the only beaver there. Otherwise, he just looks at each other and gives everybody else cards. Each player selects and sets aside two cards with which to play in the round. The player who gets five matching seed cards first wins the game. Okay, we played this game on Board Game Arena. What did you guys think of the look of this game? Cute. It had some cuteness. Yeah, definitely (laughs) cute. Randy and Birdman, have you guys played this game? And if so, did you play it in person or online? 
Well, actually, Miranda from our group played it, but we didn't get a chance to play it. Yeah, well, she played it with us on Thursday night. Um, you can see that on our YouTube channel and on Facebook. So did she say anything to you guys? What did she think of the game? Uh, she was not impressed. <laughs> uh, no, she, I mean, she, she thought it was cute, but uh, as far as the gameplay, she was absolutely not impressed. It was very light, and she likes heavy games. She's really into the, uh, the economic games and like uh, Great Western Trail, uh, Terraforming Mars. Yeah. Calm down, Ed. Yeah, the meteor that's games. Language for sure. Uh, I mean, uh, that's just speaking to my soul over there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, when it comes to light games, it, it, it's a big turnoff for her. But yeah, certainly, you know, this one was way too light. This one is so, so simple, right? There's five mm-hmm. cards that you use to manipulate mm-hmm. your points. That's it. I thought so, the only advantage of the game is it's quick. Other than that, yeah. uh, you, you can play yeah. a bunch, but I you don't like... You guys are ran- hard, man. You guys are hard. I, I am. Yeah. I don't like random draws. I like my actions to be way more deterministic, and they're, they're, they're just too random. So Yeah, and, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it looked like to me that you could just play the blocker card and just draw a card and just keep playing that the entire game. Well, the blocker doesn't block everything. Yeah, yeah, not quite. So it does have, there is an element of strategy here. And I actually played it again today because this is the type of game that I tend to enjoy. Nice, quick, simple. I play deeper, longer games. Of course we do as a group. But if I'm just by myself and I want to pick up a game on Board Game Arena, this is the type of game I'm looking for. Something light, something that I can get in during lunch on my break or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, guys, the art was very cute. Yes, it was. But <laughs> cartoony, right? And bright. So what did you think of the five things you could do in this game? I mean, they were all pretty straightforward and simple things to, to figure out how to do. Uh, you can mess yourself up if you're not paying attention to the turn order because the one that blocks attacks, like blocks people from stealing your nuts, has to happen as they do it. So if your turn comes before somebody who's about to steal from you, you have to reveal that second card and you don't so get to brutal. block anything. Yep. In the case of trying to prevent somebody from stealing, you want to be last in turn order. Mm-hmm. If you're first in turn order, the hamster's not, not very useful. Yep. Yeah, and, and the turn order rotates too, so you have to pay attention. Is it? Am I going last? Am I going first? Where am I at in the turn order? Also, you want to look at your stuff and say, is somebody going to try to steal from me? Right, And also, if you're uh, more than one person tries to steal from you, the hamster only blocks the first attempt. Mm-hmm. After that, mm-hmm. unless you put two hamsters into your... Which you can't do. You can only do one of each, yeah. Right. So you can't do that. So if somebody else tries to steal from you, eh, they got your nuts. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> and, and I hate it when that happens. I hate that. Ouch. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you end up with the hamster in your hand and it's totally useless which mm-hmm. is as painful as having it in the wrong spot, right? It, it's so right. painful to waste one of only two cards in a round because this game is going to end before you know it. You're going to blink and this game is going to be over. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it lists the game at, what, eight minutes or something like that? 15 yeah. minutes tops, I think is what it says. Yeah, basically, yeah. I mean, it's a pretty quick game. And uh, and I remember the one time we like played it again and we're getting ready to get the round and then an unsuccessful beaver actually gave the win away to the other players because they got the right random card risky beaver 
and Randy and Randy would hate this. You would hate this, but yeah. so common in this game to just win on a random draw. I oh, hate yeah. that. So I common. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Not only do you win on a random draw that you caused, but if somebody tries to use the beaver and it fails, everybody else gets a random draw. And I so want to game decide off to of refrain that. from saying use re, or use the beaver. <laughs> I mean, you know. It, if it gets too hairy, we'll just edit it out. <laughs> so inappropriate. Okay. Right, sorry, that's super off-brand. <laughs> yeah, that is way off-brand for us. It's funny, though. <laughs> so the the thing about these five cards is there's got there's three of them, three of them that could randomly get you the win. The, you know, the squirrel, the groundhog or the beaver and then there's the stealing so the stealing here's your one strategy tip guys when you're gonna steal definitely have the hamster next turn because somebody is gonna try to steal back from you mm-hmm. oh like yeah the, revenge thieving yeah you absolutely. absolutely put a target on your back the minute you steal in this game mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well so, i already know personally i can i could never play this game with randy <laughs> or Randrak or Miranda, because anytime we play a game and there's any attack, they immediately threaten you. Like it, you're, they're going to murder you because you did something against them. Oh, that so, definitely happened to me. It's going to be all dealing against you all day for the rest of your life. Yeah, yeah, forget it. I mean, you are dead to them. Yeah. So I, I would just bring the exterminator out and have him kill off your rodents. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah, that's a different game, though. That's a, that's a whole <laughs> game, yeah. That is a strategy, I guess, and uh, just rip up the cards that uh, still That's right. <laughs> now, that raccoon, I just want to say the raccoon in this game is better looking than any raccoon I've ever seen in real life. He's like mm-hmm. the Barbie doll of raccoons. <laughs> raccoons are not cute, people. They're terrible monsters. Um, Scrub J doesn't sound like he has like a, well, <laughs> hmm, he sounds lazy. Maybe he... Uh... I'm going to go with scattered just because it's a bird. I feel like they're flying places. <laughs> Those guys are really flying places. Or at least I hope they're flying birds. <laughs> <laughs> right. They're just walking on the ground like, oh, CCD, play a card. Hope it's not a walnut. I think Ed is likely to have a hamster. Mikey's not going to waste a card on a hamster. I'm going to try Mikey. <laughs> <laughs> Hmm, let me see. Shall I allow this theft of my walnut? <laughs> Boo, I'll allow it. I think Celeste needs a win today. <laughs> it's funny, I was actually uh, going to steal one of your walnuts just because you were too close to winning instead of stealing the one I needed, but nope, I was going for the win myself. Thank you. Yeah. My girlfriend and I always have this argument because she thinks raccoons are cute and I think they're dirty thieves. Uh, <laughs> <That's> terrible. <laughs> but they are dirty thieves. Even in a game, they're uh-huh. dirty thieves. Oh, they knew. They knew. Have you seen the Geico commercials? They're pretty nasty. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they are. Our raccoon is so big, the one that uh, harasses our garbage cans, so big that we actually named him. He's, that, he's so huge. We named him Lord Rutherford. I have a raccoon experience too. I know this is a little off track, but I was uh, hiking the Appalachian trail and it was dark nighttime in the middle of nowhere. And I hear all the sounds on the outside of the tent. So it's a bunch of raccoons 
robbing people's food that they had left in their backpacks outside their tents. So I go mm. to chase them away and you know, they don't, they just kind of give me the finger. Like they don't even, they're not scared of me at all. Like, what are you, you're, not, you're not kidding anybody. Yeah. Like, please give me a, they looked at me and I could hear please. them say, give me a break. Yeah. Tell you, squirrels on. are no picnic either. I had to fish so many squirrel carcasses out of my swimming pool oh, when I didn't geez. have one. Oh, and they're just they used, nuts I, though. They're so oh, well, crazy. Yeah. The squirrels got more use out of that pool than I ever did. And uh, they shredded my uh, my umbrella for my deck furniture. So I still have no umbrella to this day because oh, they shredded it. Oh. Yeah, they get totally insane. They don't care about anything. Like right now, I'm looking at the picture of these cutie pies, and I'm like, man, we're really trashing these poor guys. Yeah, 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 yeah. they're jerks. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, explorers, it's time to dig up or bury hoarders. Ed? It's a cute and simple game. <laughs> Too simple? Probably for me. It's a fun distraction for a few minutes, but I'm not that excited about playing it again, so I'll bury it and save it for winter. Mike? Well, as you guys know, I have two gears of gameplay. One is the one I love to share with my friends who don't game a lot, and the other one is deep strategy games. This one falls into that first category, and it falls in there rather squarely, so I'll have to say dig it up for my light gaming friends. For a simple but clever filler game, you could do a lot worse than this cute little five-minute take. Try it out on Board Game Arena. I'm digging it up, and maybe I'll see you there. If you have thoughts about hoarders or... Hoarding games? Come shot with us on Twitter and check out all the fun pics and videos on Instagram and YouTube. Hey everybody, we just wanted to tell you what's going on with which game first, but first we want to talk about Legends of Nerdvana. What's going on with you guys? Well, we are systematically working through a collection of 3,000 board games trying to <laughs> get a review for every one of them I've got in my collection before I die. That's my main goal. Uh, nice. But along the route, we're doing you know top ten list, partnering with channels like you guys, and having you know just having fun. You know, we're enjoying the ride, and uh, you know whatever games come our way, we're trying to get to the table. Nice. That's a good bucket list. Yeah, I love that you got. Yeah, I hope you're exercising and staying healthy because that's going to take you a while if you want to. I'm going to Doctor Pepper. Does that count? I mean, well, that's seeing well, some kind of doctor. That's something. Well, yes. unfortunately, Randy keeps buying games. So will we ever get through the 3,000 games at Legends? No, we won't. And then plus, we occasionally, they're gracious enough to uh, we review some of my games. Have you looked into necromancy? That might help you to finish this quest. <laughs> <laughs> well, Randy already smells dead, so we're good. Yeah. If you get really popular, they'll start sending you games, and then oh, it man. never ends. <laughs> That's right. As yeah. we well, Randy, know. Randy would be in hog heaven if he's getting free <laughs> games. Oh, if man. they send me storage, too, that would be amazing. <laughs> Uh, that's yeah. Ed's life now. He just keeps getting games in the mail for us to review, <laughs> and he's loving yep. it. But you're totally out of space, right, Ed? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I was recently on their show, too, and uh, yeah. it was a lot of fun. We did a top 10 list of the top 10 best horror games, and we actually had a couple crossovers that we agreed yeah. on and some weirdos that were kind of plugged in there, too, which I liked a lot. Go Cannibal Pygmies. Mm -hmm. Yes, I, wanna, I gotta see that game. I got. I, I know I played it back in the day when it came out. Cannibal Pygmies, I played that. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying, right, Ed? It's an old game, right? Yeah. So you can check that out on Legends of Nirvana channel on YouTube. 
right? Yeah. It's right. out now? Yeah. Cool. Yep. It is out. These guys edit like lightning fast. <laughs> yeah. I was up till 3.30 in the morning editing that to make sure we got it up as close to Friday the 13th as possible. Uh, yeah. It was mm. awesome, though. Really, it came out really good. I'm really happy with it. And we want to take a quick second to thank our patrons. Thank you so much, guys. I just saw yesterday got a new patron. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. You really keep the lights on here. We really appreciate it. And if you want to become a patron of our show for just $3 a month, you can go to our website and click on become a patron today and you will get exclusive podcast for patrons only called Bonus Points. Bonus Points. <laughs> Where we talk about pretty much anything we want just for you. Thank you again for listening, everybody. Our next game up this week is Terraforming Mars Ares Expedition, designed by Sidney Engelstein, Jacob Frixelius, and Nick Little. Published by Frix Games and Stronghold Games in 2021. Number of players, 1 to 4, ages 14 and up. Playtime, 60 minutes. In what world is this game 60 minutes long? <laughs> okay, Mike, you know tell us what's in the box. The cover of the box shows two intrepid space explorers surveying a developing Martian landscape and imagining a bright and prosperous future. Inside the box we find one game board, four player boards, five phase tracking tokens, nine ocean hex tiles, 24 forest hex tiles, 224 cards, 20 phase cards, 12 corporation cards, 208 project cards, four player aid cards, two clear cubes for tracking the temperature and oxygen, 52 player cubes, <laughs> 148 resource cubes, <laughs> and if you get the Kickstarter promo version, you're also going to get six new corporation cards and 11 project cards, and that's what's in the box. Well, before yeah. we find out if this game is worth a fully funded expedition to the game store, let me give you the mission brief. Terraforming Mars Ares Expedition is an engine-building game in which players control interplanetary corporations with the goal of making Mars habitable and, of course, profitable. Cha-ching! This is a new standalone game inspired by Terraforming Mars featuring a faster card-based gameplay. Each player takes on the role of a corporation working to build oceans, raise the temperature, and increase the oxygen level in the Mars atmosphere. This is accomplished during simultaneous play through phases chosen by each of the players. Each player will have a handful of project cards, which they will build and utilize in order to race their fellow entrepreneurs and gain the highest terraforming rating. It's all about the terraforming rating. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah you know it. <laughs> all right, so... What's your TR at? Ed, I assume we had the... Uh, Kickstarter bonus box or something? Did you have that? Uh, of course, I have that. <laughs> there was there there were some differences with the Kickstarter version, though. Yeah. Oh, some other differences. So, but so yeah, Rob, Rob so, has the basic version. I have the Kickstarter. So oh, you okay. got the inlay player boards, so the yep. double layer mm -hmm. player boards mm -hmm. for the yeah. Kickstarter, yep. and the storage boxes. Oh yeah, right. The mm -hmm. little trays. Yes. Mm -hmm. So uh, I got the. Uh, target version and so it's the player boards were kind of thin paper and then mm. no storage trays at all so the kickstarter version is super sexy then is what you're saying super sexy <laughs> oh, <nice. laughs> it felt really good actually it was a nice board 
Yeah, the player boards make that game. I, yeah. I really wish I had the money at the time to kickstart it. Oh man! Well, yeah. the in the original terraforming Mars game, they were s- super critical. Like having yeah. indented boards was so important because there were mm-hmm. so many cubes. The original terraforming Mars did not have that. Yeah, and it mm-hmm. it made it brutal. The fact that it didn't mm-hmm. have the inlaid. Like I remember it going all over the place. And so many people three D printing inlays to slide the boards in it mm-hmm. is what how they mm-hmm. fixed it originally. And then when the expansion came out, then you were able to get the. The nice, yeah, those are the, nice yeah, the expansion did it, but it's also a lot of aftermarket stuff. Like yeah. if you got the uh, broken token, it came with one of those, and you could also there were some other um, mm-hmm. you know overlays that you can buy. Yeah, people knew that was a problem; they were right. hungry to fix it. They had to make it more cat friendly. Yeah, unfortunately, they <laughs> yeah. didn't do the center board as inlaid because mm-hmm. the score markers are a real problem in this game. Yeah. The score markers are, are there's only a little square for them which fits one square, you know, one cube and you play four five, four player, you're going to have those cubes all stacked on one another falling over. There right. you know there's no way of handling it on the 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 board the way it is and you know when you're flipping tiles for the oceans, you're bumping that board. I yeah. would say we lost track several times. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's a real problem with this. You know, I was very disappointed in the center board on this game. Mm-hmm. It's smaller and less important, which I kind of liked. Uh, I liked that there wasn't so much going on in the center because you're you're so busy. I was in the original game too, monitoring my cards and just checking out all the random stuff I'm trying to mishmash into a a corporate practice to, to terraform <laughs> that I didn't want to also have to be dealing with that center board. So I like that. it. Did you guys like that there was less going on? Absolutely not. <laughs> I uh, did just, personally. Just I did to too. Pre- yeah. Preface, Miranda and I both have terraforming Mars in our top 10 games of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we, we enjoy the fact that it's a four hour game for us. We like the fact that, you know, the center board, Miranda plays that I play a card strategy but the fact that you can vary the strategy and win the game, I like a lot. This felt like terraforming Mars light. Like if I were trying to travel, this might be a good alternative. But if I'm playing at home, I want to be playing terraforming Mars. I, I felt like the whole time I could have spent an hour and a half playing terraforming Mars instead of playing this. And I was very disappointed. Yeah. So for me, the uh, that that center part where you're uh, you know deciding where to build oceans and and put trees up and stuff to me that was kind of an almost an unnecessary sub game that was happening and it made the game less accessible for people and that's one thing i was kind of happy with the streamlining they did there yeah i I can see that you know it's certainly it's gonna make it more accessible for certain you know people but for the heavy the heavy gamers like miranda and what i like to play we just prefer the main game much more Mm -hmm. and i disagree i I'm, i'm a heavy gamer too but i like I like them both equally for different reasons. So mm-hmm. Ares Expedition scratches that engine building itch, and then you can get it knocked out in an hour and a half. Whereas Amen, Terraforming Mars, mm-hmm. you know, Terraforming <laughs> Mars, the main game, it still has that engine building, but you also got that deeper element of strategically building your plants with uh, 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 the different cities and how you manage that board. Mm-hmm. So it's just mm-hmm. a different itch, but they're both equally good. So this was okay. three, that was like, you know, eight. So you get five. Okay. Okay. Got it. All right. So the, so five I just did production. What, yep. what you have here. Gotcha. Yep. Are we doing production now? Or We're that, done. That I'm happened? done. Oh, that happened? Yes. No. Now I'm doing it. Maybe we should make sure we do it one time. That's like, what I'm saying. We need to do yeah, it. Yeah, but everybody was all over the place. So no, let's do it all stay focused that here. All that. Yeah. 
Alright, so now everybody do all the production? Yep. Just did it. Now we're gonna do research. Can I tell you what I do miss about the original game though? My very favorite <laughs> thing that's not here is the mm -hmm. totally wacky rando art styles in the original. <laughs> Just like it seemed like they were using everything they could find from like yeah. clip art to like totally random photographs to like sketch right. art. <laughs> I miss that. I just miss the eclecticness of the cards. The cards in this are so uniform and pretty. Yeah, but they are very pretty. I gotta say, they did. Uh, they did do a good um, job. Didn't on skimp them. on the art budget for this. No, mm -hmm. they they definitely had more more art budget to get everything uniform. Mm -hmm. But I do kind of. I don't know. There was something, you know, theme informing play is very important to me, and there was something about the randomness <laughs> that just made it feel like. Every wacko corporation was racing to become like the lowest bidder to build anything they could on <laughs> Mars on with whatever they could find. <laughs> and I kind of loved that feel while I was building. That's hilarious. Well, and, 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 and it's true when people say it feels like Race for the Galaxy. It really does. Yeah. It's, it and, does. And, and, I, I did like that bit because I love Race for the Galaxy. I and that, yeah, and me too. I, it, it was a nice way of making a little streamline and adding... Yeah a different twist to do a familiar game. Right, mm -hmm. I agree. Yeah, and I don't like simultaneous turns. That's another thing that I just do <laughs> not like. Because, you know, one, it it's, makes it too easy to, to cheat. Uh, two, it, it, you, I like to play other people's boards. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, I like to see what they're doing and try to counter it. Uh, mm -hmm. And I can't do that in this game because, you know, I got to focus just on my board while we're all taking turns. So it felt like we were playing four-player sol solitaire yeah, game. That's the point, right? My, I got my PR guys running a dog and pony show for you to distract you while I'm over here doing my thing and you're doing your own thing and we're all just trying to be the first yep. and the biggest of the best. I kind of like that. But you're right. Randa, um, the problem with simultaneous play, which is a wonderful thing. I'm 100% in, in support of it, but I will, I will get on board with it can be chaotic and even if you're not cheating, you can lose your place, which, mm -hmm. you know, is an inadvertent cheat. And I felt like the the center board, it almost like it felt like they were forcing the the rules in to fit a, the the fact that you were playing simultaneously. The whole thing where whoever flips the ocean tile at the end, everybody shares the benefit of that. If they mm -hmm. go out that round, as far as playing another ocean tiles or the heat or the, you know, it just felt like they had to force the rules to make it fit. And I I didn't enjoy that. I felt wonky to me. To me, it's a kind of an important way to balance a game like this, though, right? To to immediately take away the player one advantage when you oh you no i don't disagree play. with you that they had to do something like that mm -hmm. i just didn't like it <laughs> <laughs> that's fair i can't say anything against that yeah <laughs> and i think for me one of the things i noticed was uh i had a unlearn a little bit of terraforming mars in order to play this game because i was expecting uh, different mechanics in a way. I'm looking at you, Metal and Titanium, because they <laughs> behave differently yes, yes, than yes. I expected. I, like, I expected to accumulate them and use them, but <laughs> no, no, no. They were just special. They're just discount now. And it's like, because they behave differently, it took me like, two or three read to make sure I got it right. Well, I mean, remember what I did, Ed. I'm like, there's no way I could be spending this. It's way too expensive to get one of these things. And like, we just couldn't right. believe that we weren't spending the titanium and the metals. 
Yeah, and I'm saying the fact that we had that knowledge of terraforming Mars actually made it, in that particular case, a little slower to learn. I should have read the, no, if you play terraforming Mars before section, just to say, okay, these are the things you have to unlearn. <laughs> right, right. Because they do have that in that little player aid, but I went right to the rule book and started going through that. Yeah, we were too anxious to play. That's interesting. So I benefited from not remembering terraforming Mars. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> and they left out some of the things that were different in that section, by the way. They left out like the red cards being flipped up. We, normally you would turn those over in terraforming Mars. Right. So it didn't. Yep. It wasn't all inclusive of all the changes either. Yeah, I actually had to look up. It's like, okay, the red card, do we leave them face up? I had to double check that. Yeah. Like, but nope, you just leave everything face up. All the tad count. Like, okay, that is streamlined. No little different rules. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was kind of weird, though, because the red stuff was before kind of like an incident that happened, like a meteor crashes. And you figure mm-hmm. once it crashes, it did what it's going to do, and that's it. But it did have some tags left over that could help you in other ways in this game. One thing that bothers me with both versions of Terraforming Mars is the luck of the draw. Because, yes, you do start off with a bunch of cards that kind of get you on your path where you want to try to do your strategy but then you're like i have this great strategy i'm gonna try to collect uh you know plants (laughs) and then you draw no plant cards for like 10 turns in a row so you don't know when to flex your strategy into something else or if you just stick to your guns and try to win that way i mean there are ways to help mitigate that in this game but i think the original terraform mod gives you more tools because I always play with the drafting rule. Absolutely. So you get to see more cards yeah. with that. And of course, that means you can also hate draft, but that's a different strategy. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and this one, I mean, that was my biggest, uh, other biggest beef with this, many big beefs with this game, uh, <laughs> was that the engine building all felt like it was centered around card uh, collection. It, it didn't feel Certainly. like there was much variance in engine building for me. Mm-hmm. Like every time I've played, it's always been get more cards, sell more cards for profit. There wasn't a whole lot. I mean, yes, you're going to build up your stats along the way, too. But it felt like the the engine was, you couldn't vary it at all. Mm. And with Terraforming Mars, you can vary your engine so many ways. I like that tagline, though. Get more card for profit. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's the strategy <laughs> in almost any game where you can draw multiple cards is get yeah. more cards to win. I mean, Magic the Gathering taught everybody that sure. lesson. I agree. I definitely benefited from just being ready to deal with whatever card I had. Kind of putting mm-hmm. strategy out the window except the strategy of, I'm going to make do. You do get a lot of strategic choices in the game. One thing that's kind of nice, it uh, a card is worth three points, you know, three bucks. It's also true in the original, but here, it's really fungible. Like, you get a bunch of cards, like, nope, that's money, nope, that's money, this is what I'm really buying. <laughs> right. So this, you do have choices you have to make here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. for sure. For sure. For sure. for sure. It's just a matter of the choices come with the cards that you're handed. That's it. Mm-hmm. Yep. So um, I had a little bit of, I found the symbology a little bit tricky. I'll just say that. The symbology is a tiny bit thick um, for what for a card game, but it is, uh, it is eventually understandable. It doesn't mm-hmm. like stay shrouded in the arcane yeah. forever. Mm-hmm. You can get the hang of them after a few rounds. They do kind of explain what the symbols mean on a lot of the cards, like right next to where the symbols are. That is kind of helpful. (laughs) Helpful. But but until you recognize that that's what's happening, it it can be a little bit um, overwhelming for a first-time player. Okay, explorers, it's time to dig up or bury Terraforming Mars Ares Expedition. Ed? 
And this expedition to Aries started with a couple of bumps, and I had to relearn the controls. <laughs> but it was a sleek, attractive trip that scratches the same itch, but with some new twists to explore. It does not surpass the original for me, but I'll still dig this up for another expedition. Randy? I will dig it up and bury it underneath the original terraforming Mars. <laughs> it's it's good, but not as good as the original. And if I have my choice, I will play terraforming Mars a hundred times over this. Birdman, I would dig it up and then I would place it right next to my copy of terraforming Mars. I like them both equally for very different reasons, uh, and so it's a great game. It's a beautiful game. You should get it, Mike. I really like the original and the little bit of streamlining for me made it more accessible and a little bit more fun for me as well. So I will say dig this up. This game is all about my favorite part of the original game, which was taking random hodgepodge cards and cobbling together some semblance of a workable engine with whatever stuff I flipped. (laughs) I love that. So I'm definitely digging this up. If you have thoughts about a trip to Aries, let us know. On the Facebook, on the Instagram, or on the Twitter. (laughs) The Facebook. Our last game up this week is Alchemist, designed by Carlo A. Rossi. Published by Amigo and Mayfair Games in 2007. Number of players 2 to 5, ages 10 and up. Playtime 50 to 60 minutes. Okay, Mikey, tell us. What's in the box? The cover of the box shows a wizened old man with a billowing cloak stirring a bubbling cauldron while eager assistants help him in creating his immaculate brew. Inside you'll see a game board, 160 ingredient cubes, 10 potion tiles, 30 seal stones, 5 school ingredient cards, 5 player screens, 5 scoring chips, and an oracle bag. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> and that's what's in the box. Well, before we get this review brewing, let me preheat us some rules. It is the contest of alchemists. The most talented adepts of the mythical arts come from around the world to compete. They fill their cauldrons with exotic and rare ingredients, thereby creating new potions in the quest for fame and honor. In addition to demonstrating their talents by replicating their competitors' potions, each has a secret goal to promote the use of the ingredient that his or her school of magic values the most. The person who brings the most fame to her school and to herself will be elected Supreme Adept. Define a recipe of one to five cubes. Anyone who duplicates that recipe will get the same two byproducts and the same victory points while paying you one cube from your recipe. But you can never duplicate your own recipe. The game ends when there are only two colors left in the general supply. All right, guys. So we played this on our very favorite interface. You Okay, my favorite interface. <laughs> I doubt it's your favorite interface. I actually adore it, too. Uh, Yukata.de, baby. The OG online board gaming program interface. Mm. So, Go Yukata. Mm-hmm. Yes. So Isn't I, that somewhere in the Arctic? <laughs> the Yucatan? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, Sparhawk think... is German, I believe. She's the person yes. who runs all of Yukata from the beginning. 
Isn't Sparhawk playing this game? Isn't there a picture of Sparhawk herself playing Alchemist? Uh, well, there's a picture of her, her green name on there oh. playing Sparhawk. <laughs> I mean, playing Alchemist oh. <laughs> on Yukata. Awesome. So this was one of the original games that was on Yukata. And uh, how do you guys think it holds up as far as looks go? I mean, for a 2007 game, I think it's relatively well produced. The art is as simple as it can possibly be. I mean, a picture of an eyeball on a plain color background, a mushroom on a plain color background. Yeah, it does not hold up the modern standards, that's for sure. Even the cover art, right, is Mm -hmm. so early aughts. It's got kind of that stiff feeling. The people (laughs) on it are a little bit stiff. And Mm -hmm. they're still like using a lot of that like matrixy shiny black on the (laughs) Mm -hmm. cover. And uh, the, the player screens are all completely black. With they could have yeah. completely used or put some of the cheat sheet or whatever on the back, like modern screens do. But it was mm. just completely black. <laughs> yeah, I, I just think it's classic Euro art. So <laughs> no, it's true. It is. It's classic Euro art. Yeah. It's exactly what it is. It's, they didn't really put a. They put some work into yeah. it. Yeah. It definitely has yeah. a. Um. There's just definitely a style to it. It's just. It's not. Yeah. Flashy. The, the, there's theme. It, Kind of. It's Europe from the Dark Ages, apparently. Yeah, right. (laughs) Right. That's that's deep. Dark Ages of Euro games? Is that what you're saying? What? All right. So this game, even though it has a theme, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. Alchemy and brewing these potions to become the supreme adept. It's pretty much an abstract game, right, Mike? I think it's pretty abstract. I mean, like, it's weird that you're getting, you know, you're putting mushrooms into something, getting spiders back out of it. I mean, I don't understand that. I don't think that's it really how can... I do it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. I want some <laughs> mushrooms today, so I'm gonna go collect some spiders and some exactly some mandrake exactly. root, and boom, there you go. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it thematically it didn't really make much sense that you weren't getting a potion, but you were getting the same kind of ingredients you would make a potion with. So, man. Right. You get different ingredients, but yeah. Yeah, different. You're taking ingredients in order to brew them together and get different ingredients. At the beginning, I was so confused. Like, but points. You get points, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you, you get, get points. You well, get... I think that's why they call them byproduct, because I think those were not necessarily what your, the potion made for you. What the potion supposed to make for you are those victory points, whatever. That's the potion, the victory points. Ah. One way to look at it is you can kind of look at this as a precursor to like Century. Or uh, Spice Road. Yeah. Because, I mean, that's basically what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's true. Only in this game, it was more confusing because (laughs) trying to put it, you're putting in in ingredients, but you're getting out other stuff. And I got lost a couple of times figuring out what I was going to have to put in and what I was going to get out. Like, I oftentimes flipped the two. Like, oh, if I put in this, I'll get this out. But I was completely wrong. Like, no, right. you're not getting mm-hmm. mushrooms out of that. You're getting the spider at the top. Oh, no. man. The, the, what you get is at the top, and what you put in is in the cauldron. And that's yeah. it, Birdman. <laughs> you are so right. I was disappointed like 12 times. <laughs> <laughs> well, pl- plus, it, it seemed like this would have a problem where someone who's inexperienced could create a very low cost with a high victory point potion. And yep. you would have that everyone else running away with a score, and it would just you know totally dominate since they can't score. Yeah, they get a lot of byproducts. Mm-hmm. Well, here's the thing, though, right? I, I, I put a trap out there, which was uh, two ingredients for seven points. And it was because I needed to deplete my main ingredient, which was in that potion. So I wanted people to keep going for it. 
so I can get the big bonus points at the end for getting my school's ingredient used up the most. Mm -hmm. So it does hurt a little because you can't reproduce that potion, but you do get the original points for it. So I got the seven points by doing it. Right, but I probably hit that potion about five times. So <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. And yeah. Ed, you ran away. You and then Mikey. All of a sudden, at the end, though, he exploded. His points totally exploded yep. at the end. No, well, he got the bonus points. Yeah. Twelve bonus points were hard to catch up. We were. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was basically the difference in our points. Why <laughs> does this game have an insane bonus point at the end? It doesn't need it. It did need it or I would have lost. <laughs> I was planning on those bonus points. <laughs> it is so tough to be... Okay, so the game is abstract. And then it's a little bit confusing with how the ingredients work. And then on top of it, the score that you're watching is not really reflective of what it's going to be. Mm-hmm. So it it's a, got a lot of unnecessary stuff. You, you can play a variant without the secret... Um, ingredient it's just that uh i i they think they have it at the main world because it it adds a little hidden variability otherwise all the information will almost be too known it's it's interesting too that you know you can watch what other people are doing and kind of make a guess at what their ingredient is like if they make a potion that has two of the same ingredient in it that outputs you know a decent amount of points you, you might say to yourself, hey, they want that ingredient gone off the board. And so yeah. that might be what they're going mm-hmm. for. Except that I was trying to guess which who was trying to get rid of certain ingredients. I was completely wrong. <laughs> yeah. Of course. You know, th- yeah. I think there's enough ingredients in the game to at least deter people from really knowing what that secret's going to be. Because you're, you're working with a lot here. I think well, Mikey kind of gave it away earlier, but I didn't. Well, I didn't yeah, use that information. Because, so here's what happened on Yukata. You know, usually you roll over something that tells you what it is. It'll say like dragon's blood when you hover over dragon's blood. Well, it didn't do that for us, but but on the card that was face down, it said the words dragon blood on the secret card, and that's what I was trying to get rid of. So I I said to myself, you know what? I'm not gonna say it out loud because it doesn't say it up here, and then. Five minutes later, here I am blabbing. Oh, I got to put more dragon's blood into this potion. And they and everybody's like, what's dragon's blood? I'm like, dope. <laughs> it totally so gave it kind of weird. But what I really enjoy about this game is the open nature of it, where the players are dictating what the economy is. And it's like, all right, no, I'm going to offer these things here, but for these things, and this is the value of them. And there's not a lot of rails or guidelines on how to set that economy up. It is mm-hmm. cool. It's build your own victory points. And I do like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're making the victory point or the, the wheel of the economy for other players. Yeah. You can't do that over and over again. I, I was going to say, I do like the idea that you have to pay that point if you're replicating somebody else's potion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Like you can get people to give you certain ingredients that will help you to make the more valuable potions on the board by setting up a potion they want to do. And it could have two of the same ingredients. So it'll be forced to give you a specific thing. So the economy reminds me of an old classic game that I played before called Container. Oh, yeah. Where you also, that, that game, you're setting up no factories for other players to use how does that differ from this game though do you still get to use your own factory i mean you have your own factory and container but the you 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 set your own prices for good and there's there's two steps to the process instead of one step here so like in in this game you only have that one step here's a potion and it has an output in container there are two 
production step that the, the container can go through in order to get to the final contract that people are trying to fulfill. Yeah. I'm a big fan of this player-driven economy myself. I loved it. So in Yukata, when you're playing on yukata.de, there are so many things that are wildly unhelpful about Yukata. Like <laughs> an extra button every time you're trying to finish a move. Very yeah. few very few instructions on which buttons to push in order to make things happen in the game and yes. stuff like that. But I have to say, in the case of Alchemist, Yukata.de was super helpful. There were a couple of things here where if we were playing in person, we would have been stuck having to follow and calculate. Number one, it kept track of all of the cards that had been played for you. So that's what Mikey, Mikey has a rule called the notebook rule, right, Mike? Why don't you (laughs) briefly explain that? As far as the notebook rule is concerned, I mean, anything that's been shown as public information, I'd like it to still be available publicly so I don't have to whip out my notebook and write everything down like they do in Magic. Like if a card is revealed and, you know, so. So if you're not, right, we are not stuck having to remember what's been played. Since people would have known it was played, you kind of listed it for you, which was super helpful. Another thing it did was it told me which potions I could use that turn. So I didn't have to go through every single potion myself and see, do I have the ingredients to do this? Can I yield this? Do I have enough to pay for it? It told me what I could do. So those two things were hugely helpful. And of course, it kept score for us. So that was nice Mm -hmm. too. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, strategically, I found myself having to think at least one or two turns ahead because a lot of times, even though you're trying to make this potion to get the points, you're also paying attention to the output so you know what you can be able to do next turn. Okay, explorers, it's time to dig up or bury Alchemist. Ed? It's a classic style economic abstract that has a fun theme and enough choices to explore for a few more plays. So I'll dig up some ingredients for another brew. Mike? This game is deceptively strategic, and I was pleasantly surprised, and I hope my friends will be too, so dig it up. This game could have been much worse. (laughs) It is a compact little brain burner with a perfect amount of theme for the abstract, just enough to give color and a little shape to the play. So I can't believe this, but I'm going to dig this game up. What? I know. I'm shocked. I know. I am too. So do you have thoughts about this 2007 Spiel the Jars recommended game? Well, let us know on social media. We are at which game first. And that brings us to the end of our show. Randy and Birdman from Legends of Nerdvana, thank you so much, so, so much for joining us today. Thanks for having us. Had a great time. Oh, good. I'm glad. That's Legends of Nerdvana on YouTube. Go check it out. They've got some really great videos, including one with Mikey G. That's right. And if you'd like more perks and content from our show, including exclusive episodes of our patron-only podcast, of which there are upwards of 40 episodes now, and a couple of secret patron-only full episodes of Which Game First, for just $3 a month, you can go to our website and click on Become a Supporter today if you get a chance please leave us a rating a like a review anywhere online mention us like rate or review really helps others find the show we would really appreciate it join our chat on our discord server we are at which game first 
and hit us up Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Legends of Nerdvana is on YouTube. Go smash the notification bell and subscribe. Happy gaming, explorers. Double, double, toil and trouble. I need more spiders. Uh, Bye. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Love it.